I could have contempt for the evils of the world, but my obligation is to try to transform that world, transform it through my work, through my my time, effort, energy, and prayer. And I think all of us as believers in God, whether we're Christians, Jews, Muslims, whatever, Buddhists, Tibetans, whatever, you must put your faith into practice and not focus exclusively around yourself and your family. You must look to the community to serve that community, to give back. We wouldn't have an abortion culture, a violent culture, if we loved more, cared more for our neighbors and didn't promote all these vices legally. Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. Chris Slattery is the founder and CEO and leader of EMC Frontline Pregnancy Centers in New York, which is offering enormous support and help for women in crisis pregnancies. Chris is one of the most tireless pro-life activists in America today and will be recognized for his work this week in Washington, D.C., where thousands will be gathered on the 50th anniversary for the March for Life. And Chris Slattery is my guest coming up in a wee moment. Before that, it's time for our weekly Future Shock 2.0 segment with workforce trends expert Ira Wolf. Ira Wolf, welcome back for Future Shock 2.0. There's so much talk and reports and studies. We've talked about it so often on Future Shock 2.0 about remote working, going into the office, staying at home, and the hybrid. But now there's actually interesting cost benefit analysis on this, which is eyebrow raising. Yeah, absolutely, John. Uh, thanks again for having me back. And we've talked a lot about remote work, some of the benefits, some of the challenges. And and this goes in line with, there's a new research that just came out. Uh, and we referenced this earlier. It's from Global Workplace Analytics and Al Labs. Uh, and what they identified that going into the office, commuting into the office is twice as expensive as working from home. Now, where that really is going to play is think about the conversation we've been having about wage growth and inflation. Everybody's cutting back a little bit. Everybody's trying to, to deal with the cost of inflation. Uh, and even if wages are going up, they're not keep necessarily keeping pace with inflation. So you have a lot of frontline workers, a lot of workers who are really cautious of where they're spending their money. But office-only employees spend nearly twice as much of what remote workers do in related costs. It was $862 a month versus $430 $1 a month. So we're talking about almost $100 a week out of pocket to go to work. Now, the top daily costs for in-office workers are commuting. That's the, the biggest. And again, gas prices are fortunately coming down, but it, parking and, and other things. Uh, and then either lunch or dinner, depending on their shift, and then you know picking up a coffee or two. That doesn't mean at home, you're not, you're not eating, um, but it's definitely more expensive to eat out. Uh, to grab a bite to eat. Uh, if you have pets, and there was certainly a, a number of households picked up pets over the pandemic, um, that also costs additional. So they're paying as much as $16 a day to have somebody come in and walk their pet or house them or, or take them you know, some, to a, day, a, a pet daycare, I guess. Three out of four workers said they're more inclined to go to the office if their companies would pay for their commute and parking costs. 
So it seems like a simple solution, but then companies are trying to cut back. So trying to do that, uh, I guess it's another incentive. Um, here's good news. Food and beverages still work. So 69% said they could be lured back to the office. They didn't give how many days, but lured back to the office if you give them free food and beverages. You know, think about that. Uh, more than a quarter of the employees feel that they should be paid more to work remotely. I didn't have a chance to dig into the research to find that out because that's that seems different. Uh, 57% said they should be paid the same regardless if they work remote. And again, this got, there was a whole conversation about this. Hey, I can move from, you know, uh, working in Center City, New York and move to Des Moines, Iowa, where the cost of living is so much less and I have a big garden and kids can run around. They don't have to have fences and all that stuff. Uh, and they go, great. Well, we don't have, it costs less to live out there. So we don't have to pay you as much. So that's a whole other conversation. But 57%, said that they should be paid the same, no matter where they work. Uh, 14% said they should be paid more to go to work in the office. That one makes sense to me. The 57% says the same. That makes sense to me. I'm not sure what the, the 28% says that they should be paid more to work remote. Why? Wow. Literally food for thought, Ira. And it seems to me this is going to keep driving the conversation and the debate about moving back to the office or working from home. It will continue well beyond 2023, I'm sure, but it will be a conversation next year. Ira Wolf has been described as a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body, a higher authority and certified prophet of workforce trends. Ira Wolf has emerged as one of HR's most visionary thinkers. He is an author, TEDx talker, and host of the popular Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization podcast. Speaking of which, Ira and Jason Cochran hosted the team of the Odeon Capital Conversations podcast this past week, where we talked about what lies ahead for jobs and the markets this coming year. I was happy to be part of this special live webinar along with Dick Beauvais, Chief Financial Strategist at Odeon Capital Group and Matt Van Alstein, Odeon Co-Founder and Managing Partner. Go up there on Apple, Google or wherever you listen to your podcasts for a replay of this live webinar and hear the team from the top ranked Odeon Capital Conversations podcast. Dick Beauvais takes us through his groundbreaking research on the demographic crisis facing the West, which has massive implications for our economic future and well-being. And Matt has a great take on why the US shows hopeful promise. Stay with us for my interview with Chris Slattery, founder, CEO, and leader of EMC Frontline Pregnancy Centers in New York. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
My guest is Chris Slattery, the founder and leader of EMC Frontline Pregnancy Centres in New York, which is offering enormous support materially and emotionally and in practical ways for women in crisis pregnancies. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. You can also hear this interview up there on my YouTube channel, Dig Life Deep. Chris Slattery, welcome to my show. Thank you, John. You have been in the pro-life movement for many years. Uh, You have had a storied history with it. You have a legacy. You're a significant um, presence in the pro-life movement and nationally and in the New York area. You're known for the many years you've put into the pro-life movement. So congratulations. I mean, it's impossible almost to know where to begin but i'd like to start with your present situation i know you've been dealing chris with some health issues and despite all that you're still active in pro-life work your pro-life mission and you're doing so much just tell us about that bring us up to date well uh i've been fighting cancer for about three years now uh stage four colon and prostate cancer so it does limit me a little bit um, treatments can be uh, a little debilitating uh, with chemotherapy. As those of you who have gone through that know, or you've had family members that have gone through it. But um, I'm a fighter and uh, not giving up. And I, I work hard every day. I can't uh, do as much physically as I used to, but I will be going down to the March for Life uh, next week. I go almost every year since 1980. Yeah. This year, there are about eight different um, pioneers in the uh, pregnancy services and maternity home uh, movement that are going to be honored, including yours truly, at a national prayer um, event on the morning of the march at Constitution Hall. If anyone uh, is going to Washington and coming in early the morning of Friday the 20th, Please come to Constitution Hall. No reservations required. And there will be a 7.30 a.m. mass and then a uh, Protestant prayer service at 8.30. And then the uh, program uh, will go till 10.30. The March rally starts at noon on the National Mall. And it's always usually held on a Friday closest to the 22nd uh, because this enables many to make a three-day weekend conference. Conferences take place and exhibits and dinners and educational seminars are are held over three or four-day period. So January 22nd is actually a Sunday this year. And of course, Congress is closed on the weekends. So there's no point in in trying to march on uh, closed congressional office buildings. So that's why the march has been moved generally to the Friday, closest to the 22nd. It gets a little complicated inauguration week when um, usually inauguration day is January 20th. So something get, sometimes it gets thrown off three or four days. So give us the date again. And if this is the 50th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, some people come down on Wednesday or Thursday. The Renaissance Hotel serves as the national headquarters for the March for Life exhibition hall and for seminars. The Renaissance Hotel is in the downtown 
D.C. area. So there's an all-day exhibit hall uh, starting for, uh, Thursday afternoon and all-day Friday. And uh, there's the annual, for Catholics, there's the annual Mass, I believe it starts at 5.30 p.m. at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception near Catholic University. That's an annual event that, that draws four or 5,000 to possibly the largest Catholic church in America. And that's an annual event. The, uh, the mass preceding the day of the March is on Thursday, the 19th. The March is on Friday, the 20th. Are you expecting, I mean, a lot of people are expecting a really record turnout this year, given the anniversary and also the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision. Well, it should be a, a good turnout. Uh, whether it's a record, I don't know. One slight obstacle was that the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. canceled the annual youth mass that was held in the basketball hockey arena. Uh used to be called the Verizon Center. I'm not sure if that's the name of it now, but it's a, uh, a shame that that was canceled. That used to draw about 20,000 kids. So the schools would bus kids in. So I expect there'll be less kids coming because of that cancellation. That's Many surprising. colleges bring in buses. Notre Dame University in South Bend, Indiana, has brought in as many as 16 busloads of kids all the way from South Bend. And other schools in the, in the area, uh, Maryland, Virginia, uh, and beyond, Pennsylvania, yep. New York, have bussed in many thousands for years. The Archdiocese of New York usually arranges about 15 to 20 buses from the Archdiocese of New York. Brooklyn and Queens, not too many. Long Island does very well. And uh, northern New Jersey and all across New Jersey, buses are going down. So it's, it's impossible really to predict uh, the numbers, but it's always at least 100,000 people, sometimes double that. You know, the police department does not make official counts of the March for Life or any large gatherings. They've been burned in too many fights with organizers of many different events over the decades and so they don't make any official counts so everyone every throws around an extra hundred thousand this yep. or that you know frankly i'm not obsessed with the numbers uh, it's a, it's a big crowd well i mean we, 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 always this, the recurring theme is that there's this massive numbers whatever way you cut it hundred thousand two hundred thousand some years maybe four hundred thousand one of the largest or maybe the largest marches of the year in the nation in dc and yet it gets very um scant media coverage well this year there probably will be more media coverage because of the roe versus wade overturn in june that and the dobbs decision and which came out of the dobbs decision and the fact that abortion was in the new congress there were two abortion related pieces of legislation that were voted on uh, this week. Uh, I mean, abortion is important to the Republicans and the Democrats. They're pretty much uh, in, in Congress. There's only one pro-life Democrat. 
And in the Republican Party, almost all the Republicans uh, vote pro-life and maybe a few abstain occasionally, but uh, none vote against life. Yeah. So the two parties are, you could say, completely diametrically opposed. There were votes this week on uh, an Infant Born Alive Act, which would require I guess it's this this law has been passed before, but they were perhaps tweaking it, adding penalties. It passed the House with one vote of one Democrat and I think 219 Republicans. So the vote was 220 for it. It passed, but it will not make progress in the U.S. Senate. There was also a resolution condemning the violence against pregnancy centers and churches where there were literally over a hundred attacks on pregnancy centers and churches this year uh, in, the pa- in the past year in the past yeah year. well this I, I meant 22 and this uh was very gingerly handled by the fbi the fbi has raided homes of people who have peacefully protested at abortion clinics with SWAT teams, guns drawn, uh, bulletproof vests on, and yet they don't even have a single suspect in a single one of scores of acts of vandalism, firebombing of pregnancy centers. Not a single suspect named after about uh, six, seven months of attacks. Uh, There was a $25,000 reward offered five months after a firebombing of a Buffalo, New York abortion uh, opponent organization, uh, a pro-life pregnancy center. And this was too little too late. Pictures took five months from security cameras to be posted by the FBI, five months after the event. This shows you the low priority the FBI gives to investigating violence from groups that took responsibility called Jane's Revenge. They probably have some names, but they claim they have no evidence. Uh, it's it's astounding yeah. how um, there's no evidence to name even a single suspect in uh, scores and scores of uh, attacks. Yet a thousand people were arrested after January 6th, two years ago, uh, after a very vigorous effort to uh, declare uh, a thousand people seditionists, when in fact not a single one was arrested uh, for having carried a weapon uh, or a gun or a knife into the Capitol building. And they called that sedition. I don't know how you can have sedition without violence. Vandalism was modest compared with firebombing of pregnancy centers. No fires were set at the U.S. Capitol. Um, there were some broken windows and uh, and some minor vandalism. But the fact is that uh, the uh, the different treatment, double standards for the 2020 s- summer riots, uh, where scores of police, if not hundreds of police, were injured by protesters, rioters, uh, looters vandals anarchists and and yet most of these people were let off scot-free 
Most of them weren't even charged. Vandals who attacked federal properties. Now, well, let, let me stop you there, Chris. Any kind of wanton violence, you're right, there is a double standard at play. Any kind of wanton violence, and I mean, the January 6th was a, um, I mean, a lot of people have condemned that. It was, you know, the, the way the conduct of a lot of the protesters was certainly not acceptable. So, you know, put me in that camp. But there is a double standard at play. And I, I'm curious to get your um, take on why we've seen, it appears, that the DOJ has stepped up prosecution of pro-life vigil people like yourself and people who are trying to defend life we've seen that last year was 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 awful and i guess the the classic case um was in philadelphia uh, where we had the 40 days for life pro-life for mark hike i guess you pronounce his name and his house was raided by the fbi it was a, a, a terrible scene what what do you think yes, has motiv- case, what has motivated the DOJ to take such draconian and unacceptable actions? Well, I think it's it's clearly the White House has directed the Department of Justice and uh, the FBI to do their bidding and, and to ramp up prosecution of pro-lifers. They have actually charged people with crimes uh, under the freedom of uh, access to Clinic Entrances Act. The face, yeah. It, the underpinning of the law is based on a constitutional right to an abortion that no longer exists. Yeah. There's yeah. no constitutional right to an abortion, so you have a law being enforced by the feds for a, for a right that's gone. This Yourself. law has to be eviscerated because it's now meaningless. You You had charges that racked up penalties up to 13 years in prison. The Department of Justice charged Chinese spies with crimes this year uh, with penalties up to 11 years in prison. So to put yourself on the sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic or in the lobby of an abortion is more of a heinous act than carrying out espionage against the United States. Tell us about your own situation, Chris, and these um, stepped-up actions by DOJ and uh, law enforcement. Have you been at the receiving end I've of anything here? I've been in touch here? with the FBI, and I've from the spring of '22, and I had a death threat called in. I had vandalism at one of our buildings in Brooklyn, New York, and nobody was hurt. No one carried through on the death threats, or I wouldn't be on the program, but. The FBI actually turned it over to the police and they actually got the name and number of the caller to me and they just gave him a, you know, a stiff verbal warning. Gee, isn't that nice? Jeez. How, how kind and considerate they are when it comes to the tolerance for death threats against pro-lifers. Mm. But I can guarantee you if I had made a death threat against an abortionist, I'd be facing a decade in prison uh, just for a phone call. Yeah, this this is the kind of crap that has gone on for too long. It's a double standard. And, you know, I've been pregnancy centers are going to be the subject of uh, horrific investigations, witch hunts this year in New York State. This is the only state in the country where a law was passed in the summer of 22, where the state obliged the Department of Health to investigate uh, with subpoenas and visits, raids, who knows what's coming 
from the State Department of Health to every single pregnancy center in the state of New York. And there are probably 75 to 85 pregnancy centers from the tip of Staten Island to uh, Buffalo to the Adirondack Mountains to Montauk, uh, all across the state. So it's a uh, intimidation factor. It's a waste of our time, waste of our resources. I've gone through this before. We saw subpoenas against pregnancy centers back in 2002 under then uh, Elliot Spitzer, attorney general, who became governor and was ousted from office in a prostitution sting. We saw the attorney general, Eric Schneiderman, in 2013, issue new subpoenas against EMC. He was later uh, outed in a super Me Too uh, charges by various women. So he was outed as well. What is it about these Democrat attorney generals and governors? Uh, Remember, Governor Cuomo was ousted in Me Too incidents in 2022. So we've seen vicious probe warts get their just desserts. Spitzer, Schneiderman, um, uh, Cuomo. Uh, and so what can I say next? So, so now just to be clear, so that all listeners are clear, when you say pregnancy centers, these are pro-life centers offering alternatives to women. Pregnancy or centers yeah. are alternative to abortion facilities, which yeah. offer pro-life consultations, life-affirming yeah. Pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, in some cases, not all pregnancy centers offer ultrasounds. We do. Yeah. And doing great we're, work. And doing we're a nurse or doctor work. supervised in our offices. And some are not. And they just do pregnancy self-tests for the women. They do their own tests, in effect, and consultations. But no matter the type of pregnancy center, we're all going to be uh, turned upside down this year, 2023, in the state of New York. This is a state issue. The feds have the power to attack us with smear campaigns. Uh, We're now dealing with a breakthrough crisis that just developed uh, last week. And that is every CVS and Walgreens in America is going to become an abortion clinic in effect. CVS and Walgreens under the authority of the FDA are now going to be any pharmacist in the United States, potentially, will be able to dispense abortion pills. We are not talking about morning after pills or contraceptives. We're talking about abortion pills that can kill a developing baby between five and 10 weeks in the pregnancy. People will be able to, women will be able to obtain these pills to every CVS and Walgreens in America soon, absolutely mass uh, distribution of abortion pills over the counter. There are issues with the states that have banned abortion. The feds and these states, the 13 states that have highly restricted abortion, and there will be federal lawsuits between these states and the federal government. But I can guarantee you in every blue state in America, including New York, California, New Jersey, Connecticut, all the Northeast states, we will see every CVS and Walgreens soon dispensing abortion pills over the counter without a prescription, without a prescription, without seeing 
a doctor without medical screening. This is outrageous. This is going to make the job of the pro-life movement much, much harder. Um, we have enough of a challenge trying to protest abortion at surgical abortion facilities. Uh, can you imagine adding tens of thousands of pharmacies to the uh, list of protest sites? Can't be done. Uh, there's going to have to be a strategic campaign of boycott against CVS and Walgreens and other smaller chains. We're not sure where Rite Aid is going to go, Dwayne Reed, um, and many other independent pharmacies. Each one will have to make their own decision. Chains will probably make a corporate decision like CVS and Walgreens. What I'm talking about is the chemical destruction of a child through medical means, which involves taking two sets of pills, uh, one that dries up the uterus, makes it inhospitable, cuts off nourishment for the baby, and then the other that expels the baby. There is abortion pill reversal. Over 4,000 successful abortion pill reversals have been arranged through pregnancy centers and hotlines. So if you take just the first few pills within the first 24 hours or so, you can reverse the process with uh, ingestion of new hormones and it, you can prevent, and in and, and not all cases, but in many cases you can save the baby if you change your mind. So if that happens, if anyone watches this program or wants to share this with anyone ever taking abortion pills, go to abortionpillreversal.com. Oh, this too. is the, the details you're giving me are really horrific and, and, and they're um, really disturbing. I wanted to ask you, Chris, and you sort of led into it there, um, since Roe v. Wade repealed and the Dobbs decision, New York City, New York State seems to have maybe gotten worse in terms of abortion because it's become Absolutely. a sanctuary state. So an unintended consequence of repealing Roe v. Wade, perhaps? Well, of course, uh, it was a consequence. Uh, nobody uh, made a... The U.S. Supreme Court doesn't make decisions based on unintended consequences. It's uh, the interpretation that Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional was based on the fact that the U.S. Constitution does not mention abortion. Therefore, a laws on a topic that's not dealt with in the Constitution is up to the states to decide. It's that simple. Yeah, because it's a federal, we're a federal system, so the states decide. But I guess my question is, um, how is the pro-life movement going to crack this? Because it always seems to me that if you can create a profound pro-life, pro-family culture in New York City and New York State, you can turn America around and create the kind of environment that's good for us all. I don't see any hope of turning around the culture in New York State, I'm afraid. Our culture has gone down the tubes. We've legalized marijuana. Uh, we've legalized uh, travelers from around the world to come and camp here and basically come and live in our hotels, four-star hotels, and then the people come in and they don't like the food and they throw it out into the garbage. A ton of one hotel recorded that one ton of food was being thrown out brand beautiful, good food because they just didn't like it out of a hotel in New York. Our culture here is pro-drugs, pro-crime, 
pro-prostitution, pro-gambling, pro-vice, pro-shoplifting, pro-hate crimes, pro-anti-Jew, anti-white, anti-Asian. It's a culture of high taxes of that's causing hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers to flee the state. Uh, the state has become a total hellhole, and it is a very difficult place to operate a business, to operate and live in, and I'm not leaving myself. Um, I'm holding the fort, Fort Apache, Apache, if you will. And I'm, you you're know. Referring, <laughs> you're, you're referring to our beloved Bronx, Fort Apache. Yeah, we have a. Well, there a are lovely places in, in fairness, South Chris. I've, I've traveled the Bronx over the years. There are nice places in it. Oh, of course. I'm not saying that every single neighborhood is on fire or that the city and the state is uh, completely unlivable, but hundreds of thousands of people believe it, it was, and that's why they left. But there are many staying and there are many coming in here. Then they come and then they expect everything and uh, they're not getting even the food they want so they throw yeah. it out trash hotel rooms and so, so you don't so describe you don't describe a very optimistic picture and but there are pockets of hope there are a lot of groups like yours chris emc frontline pregnancy centers um chris bell christine flaherty across the water in new jersey uh sisters of life they go out into the field and they're magnets of love is all i can describe sure it as. We're we're pockets of love, and we're not we're not changing the culture here. Mm. You have to admit the culture has been on the decline, especially in the last two years, since the summer of twenty uh, twenty. Uh, shoplifting is rampant. Petty crimes are, um, you know, I've already mentioned the negatives. Yes, there are are, are oases of hope. Yes, there are opportunities to change individual hearts and minds around from abortion plans or from, uh, you know, despair. And, you know, and that's what we focus on it in small numbers relatively. You know, we have seen New York have the highest numbers of abortions over the last uh, 50 years in uh, America. We, the New York market, including Northern New Jersey, does one out of 10 of America's abortions, that's probably going to go up to one out of 13 or 15. Uh, no, I should say we, we will end up looking at it percentage-wise. We will probably be doing 13 to 15% of America's abortions as more women are directed here with the lure of enticement of free travel, free accommodation, free abortion, and they might, and and as far as I know, maybe even um, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is going to throw in dinner and a show. Uh, but the fact is, when you're offering people to come here to commit sin, to uh, commit the crime of abortion uh, with no penalties and thwarting any efforts to block any investigations by states that were pro-life, that uh, prohibit travel out of state for an abortion. Let me say this, Chris, aside from people like you who's doing stellar work, God bless you, and you richly deserve the award at the um, March for Life, by the way, um, doesn't it 
get to the heart of it in some ways that we leadership at the top in some of our institutions we we need strong leaders in city hall we need one strong leader there we need a strong leader at the head of the church or churches and in our various institutions it only takes a handful but they're wanting where are they well i don't think it's necessarily political or church leaders uh what we need are saints saints people that are um living a great example uh, in in love and charity and compassion and care, like Mother Teresa. We need more Mother Teresas, more um, holy men and women who are carrying out a great apostolate and great um, and living in, in great sanctity. And we don't have to be the mayor, the Archbishop of New York, uh, this or that congressman or woman you know so so in other words what you're saying a great point they can set that whole tone and people people can see through something see if something is authentic or phony you know and they're drawn to that they were drawn to mother Teresa and sisters of life they're drawn to your kind of an organization chris bell they know this is genuine yeah but we need we need hundreds of thousands of saints not just a few uh, handfuls, you know, because we can't convert the culture through politics. Mm. Politics, politics is downstream from culture. Uh, I didn't coin that phrase. Somebody else did. I think it was Breitbart. The uh, fact is that our culture is on the massive decline. Mm. Uh, and it is partly because of uh, corruption in our political elite class, our uh absolute abhorrent way that COVID was handled, the stripping of our religious freedoms where liquor stores and lotto centers were open for business and churches were shut down. And in many cases, our bishops just were silent about it and didn't fight back hard enough. So we lost a lot of Catholics who no longer go to church. They don't think it's important anymore. They went and watched online for, for a year or two, and then they just realized, ah, the heck with it. And that's a sad state of affairs because they lost the sense of the greatness of the sa- sacred sacraments, which they have to receive in person. You can't get remote confession. You can't get remote communion. You have to receive it face to face on the tongue. And in the fact is that um, we have a crisis in the church as well because of the lack of confidence following the the sex abuse scandals, the closings of so many of our parishes and schools, which is not just the fault, of course, the leadership, but it's the fault of our laity who are losing their faith. We've got to get our faith back because we can't put our faith in our institutions. We have to put our faith back in Jesus Christ and, and God. And our uh, this is who came to redeem us. Uh, church institutions play a part in that redemption, but often they're imperfect, and we have to uh, pray harder and and become holier, despite faults of uh, our institutions and our leaders. And we can't blame everything on somebody else. We can we can change the culture, uh, but it's very difficult to to do at at some tipping points. New York, I think, has reached the tipping point of uh, very difficult 
to return to the sanity of the past. We had a chance when we could have elected a, a sane governor, mm. uh, but we went for the insane governor <laughs> in November. We did get some um, actual surprising, hopeful results uh, from congressional districts, which chose conservative Republicans over liberal Democrats, including uh, the uh, Mike Lawler, who took over for uh, Maloney, uh, Mahoney, who had been the Democrat Congressional Caucus chair. So that was a big surprise. The uh, numbers of New York congressmen that went Republican was a shock. Yeah, let me stop you Pardon? there. Uh, it, yeah, that, that was, um, I suppose, a victory for the pro-life movement, but not all Republicans in New York are pro-life compared with the rest of the no, nation. No, that's true across the country. Uh, not not in, um, certainly uh, not, but the, on a national level, I to repeat what I said earlier, we just saw a vote on yeah. the partial birth abortion ban, which is when a baby is born alive after an abortion. And the law was to require full medical treatment to try and revive the, the baby or at least keep it comfortable in, instead of throwing a living, breathing baby, human being into a garbage can. Yeah. Only one Democrat in the entire House of Representatives voted for that law. Yeah. Let's come back to New York real quickly here, um, Chris, because I'm curious to get your interpretation on all of this. We've been told, and it, it seems clear, that New York's laws support, in effect, infanticide. Absolutely. New York has got one of the worst statewide laws. This coming um, New York State Legislature, they're going to have to vote again to make, uh, because to change, to get a constitutional amendment in the state of New York, you have to pass a law tw in two consecutive um, legislatures, which of course are not the same, they're different every, every year. And then you have to have a referendum of all New Yorkers on the, uh, on the constitutional amendment. So we're gonna see a constitutional amendment battle which we're going to lose in the legislature for sure because we, the Republicans are outnumbered yeah. in the Assembly and, and the Senate by veto-proof majorities. And we're going to see the people of New York vote on uh, a constitutional right to an abortion. I'm not optimistic. Yeah, well, They so want the life office, the so-called lobbying arm of the pro-life movement in New York State, has a grand total of one person in an office, one person, one person, New York State right to life. It needs you more think support. We're going to win a resolution on pro-life with the pitiful uh, political lobbying effort that we have set up in in Albany, New York. Never. Yes. We have laws on the book that basically legalize abortion to birth. We know of abortion clinics in Manhattan that do abortions up through twenty-eight weeks, but. Uh, they're a little skittish of doing them later because there are high medical risks. And this is a very litigious state. So if someone dies during a very late-term abortion, these abortion clinics are worried the hungry lawyers are going to come after them. New York City is training doctors in its New York City hospitals, Health and Hospitals Corporation, to do third trimester abortions. They are trying to perfect it and get it done 
to the point where they could safely do abortions till birth. Mm. Uh, but they haven't been doing them yet, except in severe, what they say are medical emergencies. But elective third trimester abortions are only doing being done that we know of through 28 weeks at this stage. But that's okay. late enough. I mean, babies yeah. have been born and and lived and survived from 20 weeks, 20, you know, two months earlier than 28 weeks. 20, 20 weeks. Now, it's not common, but 23, 24-week babies uh, can be saved routinely if prematurely delivered because let's say there's some sort of a medical crisis and uh, they need to do a cesarean section. They can, in, in preemie wards, save those babies. And that, but, but yet they're being electively destroyed at uh, one big abortion clinic uh, called Park Med in Manhattan on okay. 2nd Avenue between 42nd and 43rd Street. They're doing late-term abortions till 28 weeks as we speak. We have the most abortion clinics of any city, major city in America. We have the highest rate of abortion, one out of three pregnancies and an abortion in New York City. We have the most training going on of any city in new abortionists. Uh, we have more hospitals doing abortions than in any other city. Uh, and now we probably have one of the highest number, if the highest number of uh, CVSs and Walgreens of any major city. So all of them combined are going to become new killing centers. You have probably 60 to 70 hospitals and clinics doing abortions. And now we're going to have thousands of CVSs and Walgreens offering over-the-counter abortion pills. So yeah. sorry if I'm not as optimistic uh, or hopeful on a short-term basis as you might like. That doesn't mean I give up. I, I fight harder and smarter, but we're on the defense. Uh, we are not on the offense. Yeah, if you live in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and you've outlawed abortion and you're celebrating up and down, but great. They're shipping women from your states to New York for free. They're giving them room and board and free abortions. Does that make me happy? No, heck no. So in her state of the state address, Governor Hochul um, just announced that as other states wage war on abortion access, my message to New Yorkers is clear. Not here, not now, not ever. But she has spoken about solidifying New York as a safe harbor. Just to exactly everything you've been just talking about just now. Yeah, it's just terrific. I'm not um, uh at all surprised by Kathy Hochul, who is a Roman Catholic, by the way, and receives communion. And where are the bishops about her excommunication or her? Uh, I mean, this is terrible for receiving communion. Where are they? This yep. is a woman like Nancy Pelosi and Joseph Biden, who proclaimed that they're perfect, devout, holy believers, and they are out to kill as many children as possible. This is upside down. This is one of the reasons why the churches are emptying because of the hypocrisy that our, our, our Democrat leading bishops are letting these 
fake phony fraud Catholics get away with pretending to be Catholics. When a great Catholic priest, now laicized, Frank Pavone, was stripped of his priesthood because of bogus charges of disobedience and blasphemy, which were ridiculous. He was obedient to his bishops. He asked the Vatican for uh, placement under a bishop that would allow him to do his work full time. The bishop of Amarillo, Texas, refused to release him over the last 11 years, and he was left in limbo. Wasn't even given an assignment uh, to disobey that he wouldn't take. You've met Frank Pavone, uh, Chris, and you've worked with him, right? I think- him very closely over yeah. 30 years. Where will this finally end? Will, will I know um, Frank Pavone has said he lobbied to be reinstated, if that's the correct word, as a priest. Is well, that I'm ever going to sure happen? I'm not sure if he'll do that or not. Um, he may just wait for the next pope for an opportunity to appeal uh, Pope Francis's decision to laicize him. He may not go the route of uh, appeal to the Vatican now, but he's Mr. Frank Pavone, still running Priests for Life. Priests for Life is not a Catholic organization per se, although they're primarily dedicated towards reaching Catholics, uh, priests, deacons, laity, catechists, but they work also very closely with many Protestant leaders. And I'm going to be at this ecumenical interfaith prayer service, as I said, this coming Friday, the January 20th, where uh, pro-life pioneers are going to be honored at the Constitution Hall at 8.30 p.m. a.m. a.m. on um, Friday, January 20th. We're nearly out of time. I want to get a few things and important things about EMC Frontline Pregnancy Centers. You're still operational. You're still up and running. You're still active. Tell us a little bit about it. How can anybody who needs to reach you, what's the best way yeah. for them to do it? Well, we've just, uh, EMC Frontline, E-M-C, stands for Expected Mother Care. EMCfrontline.org is our website. We have a new way to give there now. If you don't want to make a monthly pledge or an annual uh, quarterly gift, you could make a pledge, and listen to this. Suppose you wanted to give up to $3,000, but you wanted to put down just a portion of that now. We have a new giving processor that will allow you to make a pledge, pay it off over four months, and they will donate to us the full amount of your pledge up front with no fees, no background checks, no credit checks on the donor. They will upfront the full pledge while you take four months to pay it off. It's called Give Now, Pay Later. So if you go to our website, that's another way to give now and pay later. Or you can just make a one-time gift again at emcfrontline.org or a monthly gift or a quarterly gift. Uh, and you know there are other ways to give. You can donate property cars uh don't donate your kids we won't take <laughs> the wit of the irish i call that um so you have centers in the bronx and brooklyn and um so queens, queens. so if a mom with a pri- crisis pregnancy or a couple they can just pick up the phone and reach out to any sure, of your, any of your staff number. 
jot there, grab a pen, and I'll give you the number to call. Call it uh, from 7 in the morning till 11 p.m. Uh, in New York City, and you will get support and help if you're pregnant or you know someone else that needs support and help in New York City. I also can get you support and help anywhere in the country if you're out of state or in the suburbs of New York. But uh, the phone number to call is 718-401-9400. 718-401-9400. And we'll get you help, get your medical care, get your prenatal care, get you an ultrasound, verify that the pregnancy you have is viable, rule out miscarriage or ectopic pregnancy. You'll be seen by a physician or a nurse in our offices in Brooklyn, the Bronx, or Queens. And we can also find you help in the suburbs or any, in any state in the U.S. if you need. Not necessarily affiliated with us officially, but uh, we are networked. Any costs involved for people who call up? Well, if you don't have health insurance, we do charge a nominal fee for an ultrasound of $20. Okay. But no, no fees for helping you get free insurance for getting supplies, diapers, uh, gifts, whatever you need. Uh, there's no no cost for those items. Uh, the ultrasounds are expensive, and we've added a $20 fee if you don't have insurance. Have insurance, no fee at all, no co-pays. I want to wrap it up with maybe getting your kind of philosophy, your outlook, the meaning of life to Chris Slattery when you look back at your legacy and you look forward as you continue to do your work. The only thing that sum matters... It up, sum it up to me. Yeah, the only thing that matters is that I become a saint and get to heaven and bring as many people as possible with me. That's it. Nothing else matters. I can't be a saint if I'm mean, cruel. Uh, uncharitable, unkind, uh, full of vice, contempt. I could have contempt for the evils of the world, but my obligation is to try to transform that world, transform it through my work, through my, my time, effort, energy, and prayer. And I think all of us as believers in God, whether we're Christians, Jews, Muslims, whatever, Buddhists, Tibetans, whatever, you must put your faith into practice and not focus exclusively around yourself and your family. You must look to the community to serve that community, to give back. We wouldn't have an abortion culture, a violent culture, if we loved more, cared more for our neighbors and didn't promote all these vices legally, gambling, prostitution, drug use, killing babies, shoplifting consequence-free, um, crossing into our country without consequences, you name it. Uh, I'm for supporting immigrants. I'm for helping everyone who's come here legally or illegally, doesn't matter to me how they came in. But of course, we must serve everyone with charity and love, even if we disagree with political policies that make our lives more difficult. Don't give up on New York, New Yorkers. You may be sorely tempted to head to Florida or down south. Some of us have to hang in here and save the sinking ship. Chris Slattery, thank you. 
Thank you, John. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com. Burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.